another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. This is Ethan speaking, and Elkin, you are with me today once again, hitting up the Southwest Division Outlook Preview um, Examination, however we like to phrase it, any given day. Elkin, how are we doing this morning? Doing good, just got a little bit of fall weather rolling around Indiana these days, so I'm just sipping on some Starbucks and ready to pod. Yeah, well, we got the fall weather out here in, in Portland as well. I'm sipping on, per usual, an energy drink, a monster today. It is the Ultra Zeros, as they like to make, and it's the Ultra Gold, which is the pineapple flavor. Okay. Very good. Okay. Man of class, I see. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yesterday was a pretty good default day, for perfect example. It was nice and cool and crisp in the morning. Got out and played East Warren Golf Course, which is an over-100-year-old golf course. Shot my personal best on that course. Not my personal best ever, but that course is a really tough one. And we, were able to, uh, we were able to maneuver it like it wasn't for part of the day, at least the back nine. And that made me very happy because last time I played there, it was kind of the reverse. I played really good on the front and absolutely died on the back nine. <laughs> was wondering what the meaning of life is and... Uh, Wondering if the train tracks were my best option going oh boy. forward. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, good thing you don't have to think about that as we talk about the Southwest Division today. No, of course not. I, although, if you look at the outlook of some of these teams, may, maybe maybe we're closer to the train tracks than we, we like to admit. Anyway, starting off with the Dallas Mavericks. Last year, they went 42-30. and 30. This year, they're over-under for the 82-game regular season brought to you by Oregon's scoreboard. Um, is 48 and a half. We got Luka Doncic obviously runs the deal. And Elkin, while I think this is like, if you're going to bet for a division or like, you know, pick a division winner, there's no more clear choice than the Dallas Mavericks. Um, man, I just can't help but think they, uh, they're not doing the best job surrounding Luka with other scoring players like i see a bunch of i see some play finishers here but i don't see a bunch of guys who can can help help things go smoothly when luca needs to sit or rest yeah i mean you look at it that's what and on top of that we're making a transition with a new head coach i believe it's jason jason kidd right i don't know why in my head I'm, i was doubting it but yeah when I, jason kidd i mean he had the stint the stint in brooklyn milwaukee assistant coach out with la but we're gonna see how it goes with this. Luca seemed like he wanted Rick Carlisle out, but overall, though, looking at the roster, and I was telling you this, Ethan, when I was preparing the doc, I was looking at it. So they have, I mean, the guys. This is a roster where at least they're starting or guys play major minutes. So you have a lot of them coming back. I mean, Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, Porzingis, Maxi Kleber, guys like that. But this is a team. Like, besides guys who create offense, I mean, for me, it's one of the teams that are way too stacked in the front court. I mean, outside of Porzingis and, and Kleber, you have Willie Cauley-Stein, you have Boban, you have Dwight Powell. And I'm just like, what are you going to do with all these minutes? And then you look at their backcourt. I mean, you have, after Luka, I mean, he's pretty much like a point forward. You have Jalen Brunson and Trey Burke running the point. And then you have Sterling Brown and Josh Green. And I'm just like, I mean, there's the pickup of Frank Nilakina, And I'm like, all right, let's see how this goes. But this is a team that I'm worried. And I don't have the numbers how much how much their offensive production is going to fall off when Luka goes to the bench. Because I think 
the assumption was that Porzingis was going to be able to carry the load when Luka wasn't there. But Porzingis, I think he did pretty decent in the bubble before he got injured as far as playoffs. But after that, we haven't seen much. But I'm looking at this roster like, so what, let's just say Luka's on the bench, Ethan. Luka's taking a break. What lineup are you rolling there? That you're like, if you're if you're Jason Kidd, you're like, all right, this is my best chance of creating offense. Which lineup are you rolling out there without Luca? Well, see that 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 does assume when you take Luca off the bench, you you roll with a, a mentality that is, how do we continue to create offense versus maybe there's a way we can just lock them down mm. and play oh, in the mud for a okay. little bit of time. That's that's something that you can't also do. Um, but if you're asking me what lineup I would want to see out there if and when Lucas is sitting. It would be Jalen Brunson paired with Tim Hardaway Jr., um, Pro- Finney Smith. And see, it really just comes down to the point where like, I'm just, how much size can I get? Porzingis obviously would need to be out there for, to help some scoring. And, I mean, I probably would still roll with Cleaver just because I do think he he is a pretty solid defender. Like, he was their best option on Kawhi both these last two playoffs. So, I think he can be a pretty helpful guy. Whereas, like, I, don't, I think Porzingis needs to just stay as close to the rim as possible. You know, it's just one of those things that, like, I don't see, I just don't see enough guys who are good at multiple things. Like, there's not, there's no, no one out here who like would strike fear into me if I'm opposing the Mavericks. The Reggie Bullock would be the other guy to consider just because of his his frame being almost, you know, being six six or so and being able to shoot so if you want to play small but i would say most of the time this team is better off keeping that if they can have kleba and Porzingis on the court together when luca's off both those guys can shoot like league average and then i think kleba's probably their best he might be their best defensive player on the team other than the frankie smokes who uh historically hasn't been good enough at offense to justify his minutes defensively yeah and just I'm just looking at the success they had. I mean, last year in the 72-game season, 42-30. and 30, I know they got matched up with the Clippers. And they had that 2-0 lead against the Clippers. They could have gone to the next round. I mean, but we saw what ended up happening with them. And you're kind of just like... But I feel like it's going to be more of the same, Ethan. It's going to be Luka. He's going to get that big usage. And I'm going to ask, but like, I know he signed big extension, but... It feels like he's not getting the help provided. Like some people are saying, oh, they could be a dark horse in the NBA. Like Luca could be good enough that he'll drag this team through the West. But I still feel like there's a team that I still think they'll make the playoffs. They'll be more in the bottom half of the bracket once again. And I I can't see them beating one of the top teams in the West if they're if they're healthy. That's where I'm at right now with this team. Like Luca's an amazing player, but the supporting cast. That's not it. I know we talked about, you know, Rick Carlisle's exit and how Luca might not have been happy with him. Like, there, there's something to be said for Rick Carlisle not being happy with the Mavericks front office either and, and bringing in enough talent. Like, Luca's frustration might have come at the head of the coach because the coach is asking him to do more and more, and he's like, well, I can't do all this. And I think the coach's frustration was, like, I'm not getting enough players that can – that can help me take responsibility off of Luca. It's like even when we were looking at this team, like it's really Jalen Brunson is is a pretty good 
like I would say backup point guard. Like everyone should be happy to have Jalen Brunson as a backup point guard, but like he he kind of needs to be a little bit more than that when you're talking about Luca missing some minutes, and then also like Luca needs to be able to take little breaks during the game, and like. There are other backup point guards. Like, Tyrell Terry is not ready for the NBA yet. Trey Burke is just a scorer. He's just point guard-sized. And you go to the other guards, like Frank Nielke has never shown offensive chops of any regard. And Tim Hardaway is just an, a, a, a solo artist. So, like, the all the all the playmaking comes on Luka and Brunson. And when you have a guy like Luka who's so good, like, yeah, you, you want to gear it towards him. But it's just a little bit of overkill, in my personal opinion, because like you look at how he starts games, he he starts off like a ball on fire, and then just like he he sometimes can come back by the end of the game, but like a lot of times he, his scoring averages, assists, like all his production. I think I can't remember what playoff game it was against the Clippers, where he had scored or assisted like on like like 27 of the team's first like 30 some odd point like 30 like 31 points, and it's like that's cool and that's fun, and everyone's like, oh, Luke is so good, but that's an indictment of the team not being able to do anything for themselves. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things you're like, let's look at it one way, like positive spin, but you're like, let's be realistic. And sometimes I think a good comparison I've heard recently, sometimes it feels like you're around LeBron 2007 Cavaliers. Like that's, I feel like given LeBron did drag that team to the NBA finals and I'm like, that's it's a whole different era, but you, you start to think to yourself with the way player movement is, even though Luca signed that extension and like I could see the possibility that we get to that two, three years out where he's like, I mean, there's only so many first round exits where you got to start changing. And I try to think to myself, if you're, if you're the Mavericks, can you even make any moves this season? Do you have to wait until the off season? Like what's the path looking forward? I don't have contract situation put up in front of me to see what's the path looking forward, but that's one thing. I mean, they have to be thinking about that. With the way the roster is constructed, I feel like there has to be some moves for them to take advantage of. Yeah, they they just don't have any cute contracts, right? Like everyone's kind of properly paid or overpaid. Like I'm I'm looking through their list. Like Dorian Finney-Smith's gonna get a better deal than his four million currently, I would think. Uh, when he comes up next, Jalen Brunson will get a, a better deal than his you know rookie minimum. And then obviously Luca's already extended. Kristaps is overpaid. Uh, Tim Hardaway just got his you know descending salaries but we're talking 19 and a half uh, 18 and then 16 over the next three years not including this season um like we're talking about guys who are getting paid exactly what they're worth versus finding some value like Dwight Powell getting 10 million dollars like it's not a lot but it's it's probably more than he's like like slotted for if you just took put like made everyone uh, put everyone in a list and said how much does everyone gets paid he would not be a 10 million dollar player in my personal opinion it's just you're, you're just kind of spending your money as it as maybe it like should be but like you, you kind of got to find some value if you're going to build out a championship roster and i don't know how they transition to that when if christoph Porzingis doesn't develop yeah because we I feel like with Kristoff, I think it's it's been frustrating watching him develop. And I know sometimes he gets frustrated. like, I'm like the second banana to Luca, but I'm like, you really are. But you, you kind of see it. Like defensively, I don't think he's ever going to be the same player that he was in New York. Like defensively, he was an amazing player as far as being able to cover ground for a big guy. But offensively, sometimes you're, you're left like how many turnaround 16 footers are you going to keep taking? 
when you have a height advantage or how many times they're going to see you just keep having the offense go through you and not being productive and that's where it comes to me with the with the Mavericks and I think I think at this point I've reached a, I reached the end of my conversation with the Mavericks because I realized it's just going to be us going back to will Luka ever get enough help or will Luka have players who can take some of the load off him because I think that's really what it is someone who can take that load that he has to carry if not he's going to be carrying a, a huge amount of responsibility for that team for years to come yep it's it's got to be internal internal development as it currently is constituted and I'm just not seeing the guy who's who's about to pop. I just I just don't see it as we currently look at this roster. But yeah, I don't have anything else to say about this team. Um, hopefully Tyrell Terry can actually get some minutes this year and produce because he should be a really good shooter. And maybe if he if he can just be out there to be a you know 40 percent plus kind of guy, um, that's just that's that's that uh, that always is welcome when you got a guy like Luca who creates a lot of open threes. Moving on. Checking out the Memphis Grizzlies here. Elgin is a team I always enjoy watching. Like, they kind of just have, like, they kind of exude my ethos as, like, basketball. Like, I don't know, they, they I, I, I probably would say I wish they were more willing to spend money back in the grit and grind era. So maybe they could have, could have squeaked out a little, a little, a couple extra good players. But they were, they were a very uh, interesting team. And now they're very fun. I'm talking about John Morant is not the number one thing. That guy is electric. Tries to dunk like I think he tried to dunk on Rudy Gobert in every game of that uh, that Utah series. Um, the Grizzlies played Sporo last year. Everyone wanted to watch the Warriors play in the you know the, the Jazz or who, theoretically um, the Suns in the first round. They could have got past the Lakers and the uh, the Grizzlies just uh, just said nope. We're we're gonna beat you today. We're gonna we're gonna play better than you and you, you're coming off losing to the Lakers and we're gonna we played a much worse team. I can't even remember who they played to get in the play-in game, but. We're gonna we're gonna take our our momentum and uh and win the game. John Morant, he's a, he's a special type of talent. Jaron Jackson Jr. Interesting situation with him being unhealthy and having used to be the only good shooter on this team. Now his team's kind of put some talent around him to help help him not have to carry as big of a burden. Brandon Clark was a, a little hurt last year. Didn't develop as much as I would would have hoped. Still, I think really good player. Desmond Bain, obviously, player that we love in this podcast, great shooter. Um, well, should play a lot more this year, given uh, Grayson Allen's exit. I mean, I, I think this team has the appropriate amount of depth to be a really good, fun young team, with the exception of Kyle Anderson and Stephen Adams. Yet, I, I, I think this will be a little bit of a regression year because I do think Stephen Adams is that much worse than Valanciunas, and I don't know if the internal development of these young players will will come up to like what was a very solid efficient season from Jonas Valanciunas as a uh, as a lead offensive player for this team yeah and that's kind of just looking at that I was trying to think how much is that going to affect them Jonas Valanciunas leaving or getting traded because it's not like I know some people like to say oh you're trading same type of player guy who goes in a low block Valanciunas but for me I always viewed it as Jonas, yes, he's not the quickest, most nimble guy, but offensively, he's bringing you a lot. Offensively and rebounding, he's going to give you a lot at that end of the floor. Like offensively, you do for different spells or throughout the game for the Grizzlies, you can rely on him to get you, like he'll get you three or four buckets. You don't have to worry about jaw creating for things like, all right, just dump it down to Jonas, which was great. And you're right about one thing. This is an exciting team to watch. 
Like even some of the, like you brought up already, like Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain, we Xavier Tillman, love these guys coming off the bench. I like Tyus Jones as well as a good backup point guard for them. But Jaron Jackson Jr., with all that talent, like to me, he is I still consider him to be a rare talent. It's just the injury bug in one way or another seems to find him almost every single year. But if he can stay healthy, I would be more confident. But ideally for me though, and I think the Grizzlies are probably thinking the same way, eventually I feel like it is going to have to be Jaron Jackson Jr. taking hold of that center position. I know crunch time, ideally for them, I think for me, I would want Jaron Jackson at that center position crunch time. You're rolling out John Moran. I love love me some Dylan Brooks. I would add, personally, I would add Desmond Bain into that crunch lineup. I don't know how you would feel about that. but That's what I would throw in there as well. My fifth player, though, to go along with them, maybe a Kyle Anderson, another ball handler. That's, That's what I would go with. Just kind of... You have some shooting with with Dylan Brooks. You have slashing with John Morant. You still have someone who can create with Kyle Anderson. Jaron Jackson can shoot, and Desmond Bain can shoot. And that, for me, could be a very solid lineup. Championship lineup? No. But that's a lineup that, at crunch time, I would feel super confident and comfortable with. It's the kind of lineup that gives you versatility to end games because Kyle Anderson can can take advantage of some mismatches. Desmond Bain can can light it up. Dylan Brooks is is kind of the bane of my existence because he shoots too much, but he's a high energy player. <laughs> so like, I mean, you, you you love to see a guy who is willing to take shots. Like, I'm glad he's not scared. I wish he was a little bit more anxious, but um, I'm glad he's not scared. But you know, Dylan Brooks like. He had a really good postseason in terms of counting stats, and his efficiency I don't think was too far behind the the volume. But yeah, this team this team is just missing, like they're missing I would say another you know shooting shooting type of big that's pretty good defense. And Xavier Tillman maybe can be part of that solution. But yeah, obviously closing lineup wise, Jaron Jackson Jr. being able to space and play play defense at the five is ideal. He's also got to stop fouling all the time. He fouls all the time. He cannot control himself. And so until that resolves itself, he can't really play the five because there's more fouls available if you're the last line of defense versus if sometimes you're a little bit more out on the perimeter. But I don't know. Maybe maybe if you just played him at the five, he'd you know he'd learn how to just be straight up at the rim versus contesting all these jump shots. Maybe that would help a little bit too. I think the um, the other interesting thing about this team this year is kind of like where they where the development curve um, starts. Um, starts and stops with young guys like Zaire Williams. And then also I'm going to include Jarrett Culver in this conversation because they, they clearly have a little bit of value for him because Patrick Beverly is better than Tyus Jones. Like he could have been a player for this team. So clearly they, they look at Jarrett Culver as like, this is a guy, a guy who didn't get his, the best shake when he, uh, when he was playing the first uh, three years of his career, I believe. Um, let's give him another, another look. And so I would, I would say just how much this team tries to win versus giving some some charity minutes. I think would have to almost be the way to say it to to Culver or Zaire Williams, who if this team's healthy shouldn't see the court. But those guys are are, are if those guys can you know hit some of their 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 potential in terms of what people thought of them entering college and also entering the NBA. Like those guys could could be a difference maker. You know, Jared Culver is supposed to be a, a like a kind of like a help a helpful playmaking two guard and just hasn't been anything you know, the only thing he's been is like okay at defense from time to time by the way when i put in zaire williams there 
in my head, I know they're different players. I kept I kept picturing Zaire Smith. That's what I kept picturing. <laughs> Zaire Smith's not in the NBA. I know. Don't, t- don't tell the 76ers that because they traded for traded um Mikhail Bridges hometown for him. hometown hero Mikhail Bridges. Hey, but you gotta admit that alley oop that he did in the NCAA tournament 360 alley oop. You can't find that anywhere. Zaire Smith. Don't forget yeah, that. Yeah, probably, probably not. Never <laughs> seen a good athlete in the NBA. So Zaire Smith would have been the first. All right, let's go ahead and go uh, to the New Orleans Pelicans, who've been enjoying a bit of front office drama with people calling out David Griffith these days. Uh, yeah, I'll call him out. He stinks. As they should. Were some of the moves that we've seen this offseason. So we, you 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 have you bring in Devontae Graham, Tom Tomas Sadoransky. Got to make sure I say the name correctly. I believe Garrett Temple is someone else that we, we brought in. We traded, did trade, got Jonas Valanciunas. I mean, at, at this point, I think you're obviously thinking about what can we do to keep Zion. But I'm also thinking, well, who do we surround Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson? Because those are the two best players on the team. And I'm looking at I mean, we have we have guys in Keel Alexander-Walker, probably going to be the starting two. Josh Hart coming off the bench. Jonas Valanciunas, your center, which isn't bad. I think it's an upgrade at the center position. Jackson Hayes, let's see if we're going to get more out of him at this point. I'm kind of just like, I felt like that was a pick wasted. Because it kind of seemed like David Griffin whiffed on that. And you have guys, Trey Murphy, Najee Marshall, Kira Lewis Jr. I know we were high. We were high on Kira Lewis Jr. as well coming out of college. That's a guy we we're both. I think all of us were high on him. We liked the pace that he brought to them, and I'm I'm still excited for him. Yeah, but you're kind of looking at this team, and this is a team that feels like it's going to take another step back. Oh, I I won't really say a step back necessarily. I do think losing Lonzo Ball's defensive presence will prove to be um, frustrating. Um, maybe like I would say closing games to to start this season, I think could be an issue because your point of attack defense will be worse definitely will be worse in in my opinion but i i don't think i don't think graham is i think graham's a pretty good fit for this team because he kind of like is just a gunner from three he doesn't really pro and you got the mid-range on lock with brandon you got zion williamson who gets the rim at will jonas valentunas who can post like i think you got guys at each level pretty good catch and shoot guys with Nikhil, temple um hart Trey Murphy, the rookie, is going to be a great just plug-and-play rookie. I, I would expect him to make first-team all-rookie this year because he's going to shoot a good percentage. He's going to be an okay defender. Like Trey Murphy is going to be like a, a small forward, power forward version of Malcolm Brogdon in a rookie season. I'm not saying he's going to have the career of Malcolm Brogdon, but he's going to be the guy who just comes in and contributes and, and plays good solid basketball. And I know there's a Virginia connection. It is intentional. Those guys are gonna just those guys come into the NBA if they got the if they got the shooting ability they just contribute and that's how I feel about Trey Trey Murphy I think Trey Murphy will actually give this team a lot of creativity to close some games where if you want to go small small you can go Zion Murphy Brandon in your front court and then pick pick whatever guards are the hottest and and roll and roll just ho- and just hope that you know no one has like a, a great rim attacker that is going to blow through your, uh, I would say, less than, less than ideal guard defense. But I like this team a lot in terms of fun. 
they're, they're just there's just parts that are missing. Like Najee Marshall, Xavier guy. As much as I would love for him to be a, a proper small forward backup, he's not a great shooter. He's an okay defender. Like you don't really have a backup. Like Trey Murphy's going to play some backup three, or to Garrett Temple and Josh Hart. Josh Hart's going to continue to play the three, even though he's six four. Like he's kind of got like a weird positional diver- uh, spread. I, I am a little annoyed that uh, Kyra Lewis won't get a play as much as I would like him to, but that's, that's where you get sometimes. And I wonder if Jonas Valanciunas, like I said, we were talking about it with the Grizzlies, um, while he was a, 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 an efficient option for the Grizzlies, I, I do wonder about development hindrance when we're talking about getting a guy who we know who he is just posting up a lot versus letting some guys like, you know, Brandon, Marsh, or Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and even, you know, Devontae Graham, let them explore the studio space. If Valance Junis is just sitting there waiting for the post-up, I wonder if it does put a hindrance on rapid development. Yeah. But it just seemed like the mess that the front office has made. I mean, probably the only good that's come out of it, I would say, I mean, trading again, some of the pieces they got, like bringing in Brandon Ingram, like he has developed decently getting lucky. That's not something I think the front office did. They got lucky to get Zion Williamson, let's be honest. I mean, that's a bit of the luck. And you won the lottery. I mean, that's, that's how it goes. That's, that's just the way things go. And before I move on for the Pelicans, question for you. Where do you rank right now? Because you have Zion, positionally-wise, he's a power forward, right? Where do you rank him in the NBA's power forwards? Because last season he had 27-7. and seven. You kind of see him as a solid. I mean, that was the second season. Where do you put him now as far as how you see him compared to other power forwards? I've been wondering this question. I'd have to think about who are the power forwards because it seems like all the power forwards that are really good are actually like kind of like point guardies, right? Like Ben Simmons is kind of like a power forward, but he's a point guard. Or like more of a center. Like sometimes I think of like Anthony Davis, but to me sometimes I'm like Anthony Davis is really like a five at this point in the NBA. Exactly. And same with Bam. Like Zion Williamson outweighs Bam by probably 50 pounds. <laughs> but he's a... Uh, Bam's a center, and he's and yeah, and I mean, obviously Giannis. When we're talking power forwards, is is the one, right? And then if Kevin Durant's a power forward because his positional scarcity in uh in Brooklyn, he's on the list. But like, I think at that point, LeBron, obviously, still, I think he's a power forward at this stage of his career. Like we're just we're looking at like is Zion the fifth? Just because out of respect for other vets that have been around for a while, we don't just assume. I, I, fit sounds are about right. The thing is, you can you can you can be the fifth best player and not affect winning that much. And I kind of look at that's where Zion's at now because of how bad his defense is. But he's he's a really good, talented offensive player, and he's going to figure it out. I just this this organization's trash. Like David Griffin, you know, just got a lot of credit for being LeBron's. Aaron boy is the way I'll say it. And at this at this stage, like we've seen when he has the autonomy to make decisions. Well, he fired Alvin Gentry really quickly, which I'm not saying that's the wrong thing. Hired Stan Van Gundy, which again maybe not the wrong thing, but it didn't it didn't work out. And has bungled a pretty good war chest they got in the return for Anthony Davis, which you didn't have to negotiate. The Lakers were going to give you anything they had to to get Anthony Davis because they got they knew the title was theirs if they got Anthony Davis. Like, I just can't look at anything that I can't. See, I don't see anything creative that he's done correctly. 
like drafting Kyra Lewis, drafting a Nikhil Alexander Walker, those things are like, yeah, you got them about where they were expected to go. It's just like, okay, like, I just, I just haven't seen anyone develop in this organization other than the Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, who you, you could argue both of them just like with such such an open studio space with not a lot of good players. Like they were someone had to maybe it's more of a nature thing than a nurture thing. And then you, you traded a first round pick to get Steven Adams and you traded a first round pick to get Jones. He's like, what, what was the point of trading Anthony Davis if um, you're just going to be tossing picks around and you waste the first round pick on Jackson Hayes like that I think honestly for me the Jackson Hayes pick is what is a very frustrating pick looking at what year do you remember what year he got drafted same as Zion they drafted him at 2019 right yeah they drafted Zion and then they drafted Jackson Hayes at eight and like that that kills me just like watching that because I'm just like I think there were questions at the time too, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, because he can't. Sh- he, we know he couldn't shoot. Like you, you, you decided to take Zion, who, who I would say is probably shooting better than most people were expecting. Mm-hmm. But like you, literally said, "All right, I'll take Jackson Hayes instead of literally just like here, here's a list of guys." Especially knowing where basketball is going, small ball related, PJ Washington would have been better. Ru- How about? I mean, even, I mean, Brandon Clark would have been better because he would have been able to cover a lot of defensive stuff. Yeah, you kind of look at like who's obviously it's always hindsight twenty twenty, but looking at all the players who came like afterwards. You should you shouldn't have taken Cam Johnson even though he's been a better player, but like he was he's old. He should he should have felt fallen in the draft. But even like how about Matisse, Tybal? Yeah, like I'm just looking at guys who actually would contribute to basketball in a proper way. Yeah, and like and there's, I, there's, I think of it plenty. like like I'm even surprised that they didn't take a swing at like a Cam Reddish. Yeah, Cam Reddish. Exactly. Cam Reddish was falling on draft day. Now, Chumo Kiki was like we knew he wasn't going to play, but he was a, he was a floor spacing four for a really good Auburn team before he tore his ACL that yeah, year. Even like a guy like I see it like a Keldon Johnson, you're like that's a guy you could have been like all right, I'm gonna I want to. But overall, like I think he should be criticized and he should be on thin ice. Like right now, I imagine ownership is like this guy's on very thin ice. I mean. I just look at if you're drafting a center pro- prospect high, he's got to have some kind of shooting. He's got to have shown some shooting. And I don't think Jackson Hayes has shown anything ever other than other than poor judgment. Oh, my gosh. Don't get me started. Like you kind of look at like remember the Suns back in 2018 drafting. Why did the name just slip my head? Oh, DeAndre. And there we go. Like people were like a big guy. And then later on, they're like, should this be accusing? And now you look at his development. What has he done? He has some touch. He had the big bridge jumper to keep, to keep the defense honest. Like that's what you, that's, that's what you need in this NBA. If you're going to draft a big guy like that, you need a guy who has some type of offensive diversity. And with Jackson Hayes, almost every time where I see him scoring, it seems like his, his skill is not meant for today's NBA. Like, if he would have been maybe, like, 10 years ago, like, we're talking about, like, 2011, he could have been, like, another version of a DeAndre Jordan. But DeAndre Jordan, how much playing time does he get now? Pretty much nothing. And that's where I see it, where Jackson Hayes, his game has not evolved. And on that note, let's go to the Spurs, because I think we're ready to... Let's go to the Spurs, a team that, while they've, they've had some down luck now, they lost, you know, they were able to draft him Duncan, carry that for 20 years. They got They got 10 or so out of Kawhi. Maybe it was only eight. I'm not positive, but regardless, they they didn't get their the full the full bag 
that they wanted out of him. Um, I think they've done a pretty good job of bringing talent in. Um, I'm looking at, you know, looking dead at you, Deontay Murray, Derek White, even though I think he's overrated, uh, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Jakob Pertl's developed a little bit with him. Um, Lucas Simonic wasn't a great pick, but that's the end of the first round pick. How have you felt about Lonnie? How have you felt about Lonnie him? Walker? I love Lonnie Walker. I think this team has done a really good job of bringing talent in. It's just, they don't have that one, you know, blue chip type of player. Um, this team's over under. So this is off the Oregon score, but it's 28 and a half, but it's minus 125 um, to, to take the over. So the over should be close to like 30, 31 and a half. And with that said, Elkin, like this team is a team that's going to beat. They're going to be in a lot of games. Like, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a big shooting problem here. They got white Forbes, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, Vassell and McDermott, who should all be playing quite a bit. All those guys are 37 and above shooters. And we're talking about Brent Forbes. who's a 40 plus shooter. Lonnie Walker, I think has always shot over 40% from three, maybe not last year. Cause it would have been the first year that his volume went up a lot, but he's always been a really good shooter. So, I look at this team, Elkin, and I'm like, they are, they're one t- player away, and I don't know who it is. Uh, last year, he took a big dip. He shot 35% from three, so I was correct, I think. But yeah, he who, shot 38. who shot 35 again? Lonnie Walker. Okay, but still, though. So he, he, he took a big dip last year in terms of his efficiencies, but it was his first time first time with the opportunity, so we'll, let's hope he uh, gets it back under control in the coming season. But that all that being said, this team doesn't have the one guy I'm, I'm kind of hoping for them that they get some lottery luck and compare a lot of these really good role players with uh, with a star potential I honestly think and this might I don't think this is that hot of a take just based on what he was doing for Team USA I think Keldon Johnson might have the most star potential left on this roster just based on the fact that he's got he's got some size some good athleticism and he he seems to just kind of like have an innate feel for basketball, which is what uh, going, all, going all the way back to his draft year was like, you know, he's not that great at anything, but he just kind of is always in the right spot. And sometimes that, uh, that's all it takes in the NBA is yeah, that translates being in the right spot all the time. And you, as long as you can shoot, you're good. Cause you're right. Cause this team has pieces, even defensively, they have some good defensive pieces that I really like for this team, but I'm kind of looking at like, who's going to be the guy that's going to carry a lot of what you would want in a star to carry the load that you want to start to carry and that's what i'm struggling to see i mean it is gonna be interesting as well for me i would like to see a healthy zach collins i think the spurs are like let's just take a let's just take a swing at this i think at this point the, uh, we all saw his potential i liked him coming out of gonzaga uh, you liked him as well we liked him when he was playing for portland like this is a type of big for today's nba one who can spread the floor, can run up and down, can figure out defensively where he needs to be, but can he stay on the court? And I'm interested to see how Trey Jones developed as well, because I think he could be a solid three guard, like your third point guard in in the NBA. Like, hey, we're giving our maybe one of our backups playing the two guard right now. They're in the bench lineup, and let's put him in. And that's and I liked what I saw about him. Like for me, defensively, he's another guy who's good. That's what he was known for when he was at Duke, compared to his brother's more offensive scoring. Saying up trade was no more for defense, but it's it's just interesting for me to see to where the Spurs organization is going, because I can't. For me, sometimes I'm like I can't fault the Spurs for some of the things that they've done, especially through the draft. Where their draft picks have fallen, 
I feel like a lot of these draft picks can be justified. We're like, sometimes we just talked about the Pelicans and we're like, Jackson Hayes, what are you doing? But where the Spurs have gotten these players, it's almost like, this is where I expected this player to go. Like, this is where I expected, or, or they've gotten a player, you're like, oh, they should have been low, they should have been uh, higher and they dropped to the Spurs and the Spurs were like, we're going to get this guy. So I'm like, all right, I, I can accept that. It's just, you're missing a very big piece in this lineup. Like if you were to, if you were to add like a, like a superstar player to this team, and I don't know what position, like you pointed out, I don't know where he would go. I would feel definitely more comfortable surrounding a superstar player with this talent because you have a lot of good complementing pieces that you would want on a championship team. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot that I think the Spurs have done wrong. I think that they're just, they just haven't been particularly lucky. Yeah, which is half of it in basketball, especially when drafting, where injuries and all that stuff. Well, right, like, just imagine they win the lottery in these last couple of years where they've missed the playoffs and all of a sudden they, they, they have your, they have Zion or they have, you know, insert other name. All you got to do is get one. I mean, even if they, like, they had, even if they had like a, I'm trying to think of like, I'm on, I'm on the 19 draft, which wasn't very good, but like if they, if, if they would have got up there and like, let's say Trey young would have been someone that they could have snagged. Like I, I know they, they weren't even in the in that picture, then they were still making the playoffs that year. But like, you you, just, you, you, get, you just get lucky. You're in the right spot. You're in a year that has a lot of guys who people think are going to be really good, and all of a sudden your your franchise look a lot changes. It's all it's all it takes is one. And it's like I think I think like all their picks. Kelvin Johnson, great pick for 29 or 30. I can't remember which one he was. Derek White, great pick for 30. Dante Murray, great pick for 29 or 30. Um, Devin Vassell, like a really good mid mid or in the, in the lottery pick. Lonnie Walker, good tw- pick in the twenties. Uh, Trey Jones, good second round pick. Um, Bryn Forms, undrafted free agent development. Like I think they've done a really good job. Like I said, the biggest bungling they did is when they traded Kawhi Leonard and only got a first round pick, Jakob Pertl and Demar Derozan. Like that's just that just wasn't enough. But th- to be fair, when they traded Demar Derozan this time, they got a lot more than they should have. So maybe this is this is the time where they uh they they bring it back around. Um, last thing to talk about with for me is just like that the sh- the shooting this team has. If Jonathan Murray and, and Lonnie Walker, both those guys, I think are the guys you want with the ball in the hands the most for the highest upside of like big development. Uh, there should be enough shooting around them for them to truly like take some steps. Um, part of that shooting though would need to come from Zach Collins. Hopefully he can get healthy. As so, you know, I did like him coming out of draft. I still don't defend Portland trading up to get him because when you're talking about um, a guy like Damian Lord, I look at I was looking at that that year and be like, we just need wings, take wings, take wings, get wings, and they got another center, which is fine. Just. I would have, I would have just hoped that Nurkic stayed healthy versus having whatever level of death that Zach Collins could have provided if he had been healthy. I, I think the Spurs are doing the right thing. They just need to get lucky. Like I, I'm not, I'm not in the uh, Pop is no, no longer a good coach and and the Spurs are no longer a good organization. I just think they haven't. It's not like this team's been the Lakers being in the top five picks and taking forever to come back. Right? This is a team that has not had lottery luck and they're maybe they'll get it again maybe they'll get it again although getting tim duncan it's pretty good lottery luck you can't can't expect it to happen over and over again with uh the dirty secret about getting tim duncan too with a little bit of a tanking thrown in there since uh 
what people don't forget, remember, is the previous season, they're like, David Robinson, can we bring him back? Nah, let's not worry about that. Let's just go ahead and uh, sit him down. Let's go ahead and do that. But, I mean, they st- the gamesmanship. Yeah, but they played it smart. All right, Ethan. I think we're prepped to go on to the final team in the Southwest Division, the team that used to sit on top of the Southwest Division not too long ago, about two or three years ago. Houston Rockets, owners of the second pick in the 2021 draft. They're, I didn't include John Wall in this, since a lot of talk with John Wall is pretty much he's on his way out. Um, thank you for adding the recent signing of one Avery Bradley, who the Heat wanted nothing to do with him. So I'm sorry, I read that story where Avery Bradley had interest in jo- rejoining the Heat, and the Heat were like, now nah, we're good, fam. Go ahead and I keep it moving. And that, that just cra- that seems like something Pat Riley would do, too. He'd be like, all right, thank you for your interest. But the interest is mutual. <laughs> yeah, no, he, 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 maybe Bradley's an okay basketball player. He just was, he, I think Avery Bradley, because he was, I think, at one point, the number one prospect in the, uh, in high school basketball. In high school basketball. I think he's still got that mentality. And, he, you know, the thing is, he, he didn't play very many games for the Heat, but he, he shot well in those games. And if that, if that doesn't bring you back, I'm telling you, there's something else about the culture fit. And, you know, the Heat, all about that culture. Culture. But, yeah, so, so the Rockets are rolling out Kevin Porter Jr., dropping a 50-piece. We remember that. Uh, bringing in, you got rookie Jalen Green, who I'm excited about. Definitely excited about Jalen Green. Jay Sean. Is it Jay Sean Tate or Jashon Tate? I, that's, a, that's a guy you might have to tell me more about because I haven't watched much of his game. They got Daniel Tice, Christian Wood. They brought in, I mean, DJ Augustine, Dante, Dante Exum. I like what I saw from Dante Exum in the Olympics. So I am curious to see. Uh, drafting Josh Christopher as well. Eric Gordon, I'm surprised he's still staying there. Daniel House. Just a bunch of other pieces like KJ Mari. By the way, uh, Al- how do you, underneath Kristen Wood, I have a guy, uh, is it Alperin, Sengrun, Sengrun? It's Sengun, um, but I'm not exactly sure how to say his first name. Alperin, I think it's Alperin, Alperin Sengun. But regardless, he's, he's a, he's an intriguing little, little, little big prospect as it were. Yeah, and then this is a team that we know it's ripe for. I mean, I expect them to be close to the top of the lottery again. I don't expect this team to make a monumental jump, which this is a team that should just, for me, I feel like they should just be throwing out all their young players as much playing time as they could possibly get. Like for Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, I want to see all those guys out there. Just like, go ahead. Because I feel like there's no, they don't have anything to gain from winning a lot of games because this is a team that wouldn't I don't see them making any damage if they if they win any a lot of those games there's a team that benefits from let's just let our young guys develop as much as they can yep I agree um the one thing I would say regarding uh getting the veterans in there to just kind of keep the game flow proper and also like you I think this team can get parted out pretty good like you got a DJ Augustine who could be a you know backup third point guard for a a, a really solid team Eric Gordon um, obviously can contribute um, to, in some degree, whether it's through a buyout or a trade. So you kind of got to give him a little bit of studio space to make sure he um, he can provide some value. By the way, I like I, I like when you game. use the term studio space. It's great. I know. I, I love I, it. I, I've really, I love I've it. really enjoyed it today, so I'm rolling <laughs> yeah, with it I love a lot. It. Um, I, think, I think a guy like Dan, David Nawaba as well. Like He's probably not part of the next good Rockets team just because he's a little bit further along in his career. He's kind of just a defense, defensive driver. And I, I think he's a guy that you, you should let, you know, go out there and, and give him enough to fail. 
or let him prove his value and someone will trade for him. I think Daniel ties in the same boat. I think Christian Wood could even, although I would be hesitant to trade Christian Wood because I think he is a very helpful um, piece in terms of making sure this team can develop because he can shoot, he can rim roll, and I, he's an okay rim protector. Like when he's there, he's just not a switch defender. So like he'll never be like, don't confuse him with a good being a good defender. He's just big and long at the rim. I, w- I was trying to, I was going to look up and you keep talking. I was like, oh, it could possibly spread the floor. Um, do they, do they still have Kyrie Thomas or not? That's one guy I was trying to figure out. I, I see his name on the salary sheet, but I don't care because he stinks. <laughs> but looking at who they have, I'll tell you this. I know summer league means crap, but I did like uh, the guy who we struggled with to say his name, Sanguin, Sanguin. I do like him. I did like what I saw from him. I know he's like he's a big guy. You want to like decent for, but this is a team that I think could have some real exciting moments as well. I don't know how you feel about it. Like once you get like a Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green on the break, like that's something I'm just like, all right, let's see what happens. And I'm very excited. I'm very excited for what they can do in transition, what they can do with all these young players. And obviously, Kevin Porter Jr. is left-handed, so how could I how could I hate him? I know. Sean Tate, left-handed. How could I hate him? KJ Martin, former um, or son of of Kenyon Martin. So like, I'm I'm just I'm here for this team, man. This team is gonna be gonna be a good, fun thing to watch. Usman Garuba is a pretty pretty fun player as well like he's a he's a kind of like like a lot of people you know everyone loves the Draymond Green comparisons for every everyone ever but that's kind of where he where he's at in terms of like what they are hoping he can be uh, when they decide to take him um I can't remember if it was late in the first or early in the second but he's he I can't remember I can't even remember where he played it was the Olympics, but he, it was like you're right it was late in the first was it did he played for the French team I can't even remember it says he's from Spain but, okay well he played for Spain then but he he is a he's a fun little guy. That's one thing I've noticed about him too. Like I'm I'm and I think the Rockets, I know we we often crap on their lack of wanting to spend and stuff like that, but I think they went ahead and they just like we're going to ahead and we're going to go ahead and bottom out. We're just going to do that. I mean, they had no shame in it what they were doing. I mean, I'm, we saw them tank a lot of games and stuff like that. But I think that's I think in the NBA you pretty much have to do this, or if not, you're going to be stuck. I call it sometimes like being stuck where like the magic are, where you never get crappy enough to get like the first pick. Sometimes you do, you just have bad luck, but sometimes you just like scratching the playoffs, but you're never really getting like a solid, like a generational player. Yeah. And even, even when you do suck, suck, like sometimes you don't win the lottery. Like, like the, the magic, like we talked about when we did the Southeast outlook is like the magic look at themselves as getting very fortunate because they haven't had much lottery luck. And then just because the Raptors decided Scotty Barnes was the guy they wanted, Jalen Suggs, a guy who, um, you know, was thought to be at different points to you, the second best prospect. And I think that's where Sam Bassini still ended up having Jalen Suggs as the second best prospect available in this last year's draft. And they got him at five. It just takes the, the right, amount of luck in terms of where your pick falls and also the, the teams ahead of you and what they value. Cause like I, I would never thought Jalen Suggs would have been available for the fifth pick. I I, mean, I had the magic kind of like scrambling to, to get two guards for the price of one kind of deal, trying to, to, trying to bring in um like, like having to over, maybe overdraft somebody cause that they need guards, in my personal opinion or need needed guards. Um, they, I think they're pretty good now if, uh, you know, between Cole Anthony and Fultz, if they can stay healthy, not a little bad rotation there. But yeah, you, you gotta 
you got to give yourself an opportunity to bring talent in. And I think the Rockets are doing that pretty well. And they got some, they got some, they, if they can utilize their picks to, uh, to get those star players in or star potential players in and utilize those Brooklyn picks to bring in some more, you know, Daniel houses, some more like Daniel Tice is on the team now, not a pick of the Rockets, but guys like that, that's how you, build a championship team when you have when you have two bites of the apple and you can really focus on trying to get stars and you can focus on trying to get role players that's where you can really now develop quickly now with a team that's bottomed out what's your timeline for a team like this like when would you expect them to be competitive as far as getting to the playoffs like do you give them like a four-year timeline five years yeah Let's so say Jalen Green is there is their big pick right and so I would say you give Jalen Green's rookie contract to uh to to know where you're going like Jalen Green if he's as good as he's supposed to be he should be able to to propel a team up pretty pretty solidly for regular season purposes by year four right he should be able to like be a difference maker if he's not well then you missed on that pick a little bit and it's it's time to reevaluate but I I don't know I I, I think there's it's hard to put time on these things because you don't know you don't know what anyone else is gonna do, like any other uh, like you don't know if like if Jalen Green gets hurt for two years or if, if Alfred Sengun d- doesn't work out at all or if you know Kevin Porter Jr. I mean it's happened once before I can knock on wood we're rooting for that guy because I think he's electric but he's had some you know some like legit like mental processes that he struggled with just going back to his time with USC and then also in Cleveland like he's he's a guy who's an emotional guy and doesn't always like express himself the best way. At least for you know a professional basketball setting, and like that that could, like even though he is performing great, could could look at that that could blow up in your face at any given time. Like you just don't know how any of these guys are going to develop. You don't know who who's going to be available in every draft and where your picks are going to fall. You might not get any luck. And so timelines are are fun for people who get paid. You know they they have to provide a timeline. For me, I don't have an expectation for the Rockets to be good anytime soon. <laughs> I don't have a, but like they're 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 one player away. That you're right about that. But I think for me though, like this wraps up the Southwest Division. Even though it's gonna have some teams like the Rockets who bottom out, I think this is one of the divisions where you can convince yourself to watch any of these teams in any given night. Like there's some divisions where there's some teams you're like, I'm not gonna waste my time. But you can find yourself like, all right, I'll enjoy game watching this team play or that team play. And I'm looking forward to this division, see where it goes. I mean, pretty much know the Mavericks are probably going to go out on top again on this division and the Rockets are probably going to be last again. But I think it's still going to be a fun division. And and that's also pretty much wraps up what I have to say about the Southwest division. Yeah, I don't got a lot going on for it anymore. <laughs> Just a matter of uh, what, how many days are we away? 23 from regular season basketball? Yeah. We'll see. Something like that. We'll see though with with all the arenas going to open up again, COVID. But Ethan, it's been nice though.